We're ready to go? Yep. Good. We are live. We are on the air. Good morning, church. Great to be with you this morning, my favourite time of the week. I know I say it every week, but this Sunday I'm particularly excited to be with you because I get to preach the Word. I get to talk about uh, one of uh, Jesus' parables. I love the parables of Jesus. I love how simple yet how so very profound they are today. It is a story of ten bridesmaids, five of them wise, five of them foolish. Five of them were ready for the journey. Five of them were keeping watch. Five were not. So today it's going to be a challenging parable from Jesus to keep watch, to make sure that you've got oil for your lamp, to make sure that you have the Holy Spirit firing you from within as we await the coming of the bridegroom and entry into that great feast, into the great banquet. Very excited to be with you this morning. My name is Peter, for those of you who don't know me. Uh, Welcome to our uh, our home base here in the heart of Bondi Junction. Special welcome to those of you watching online as well. We hope that you can make your way here to the heart of Bondi Junction to be with us in person sometime very soon, or if not, to join a church family somewhere near you. Why don't we commence our time together with prayer? Let's commit this time to God. Church, let's pray. Loving and gracious God, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your graciousness to us. Thank you for your long-suffering patience with us. Father, we declare that we are your people, that this is your time, this is your moment. We come seeking more of you, Father. We've each come from weeks that have had times of trial, times of joy. Wherever it is that we've come from this week, Father, we declare here we are. Use us. Come and have your way this morning. Blow powerfully through this place by your Holy Spirit. Come and equip your church for mission, we pray. We pray that you might be using this time to build us up, to equip us. Help us to heed the challenging word this morning, to have oil for the journey, and indeed to keep watch. In Jesus' name, all the people said, Amen. Let's stand and sing. How about we greet people right next to you, back or front, in Share the love of Jesus before we start. How about that? I see your face, your 
again. So I don't know how we are stiffed and you know, we're not stressed out. So shall we start again with joy, with love of Jesus? Amen. Amen. We're gonna start again and a little bit. La 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 la.
Sean Lim, our brothers and sisters in Christ, our new worship leader, our new uh, band coordinator. We are very blessed to have this great man of God coordinating our worship team. So please be praying for Sean over the coming weeks and months as he leads our music team. Uh, he's uh, very pleased to be able to pass the time on to your brother. And I feel very Love the sound of my own voice. These ministers don't love the sound of their own voice. Can't even see or hear people waving to them from the heavens. Great to be with you this morning. Who was here last night for our fundraiser for Light Home? We had a wonderful time. Uh, we raised about $13,300. So thank you to all of you uh, who, uh, who were here and who contributed. If you weren't able to be with us last night, please know that you can indeed still contribute to the ministry at Light Society in India as we seek to build a a women's refuge for those uh, who, in desperate need of just basic food and accommodation, you might see some, uh, there's some paraphernalia up the back, you're welcome to go and uh, make a purchase, or indeed, uh, look uh, at the Promise Bags. Promise Bags are, in fact, a ministry of light society. Uh, these are made, these are handcrafted by the local women, providing them um, with, with dignity, with purpose, uh, with an, an income, and the money raised, of course, uh, goes towards uh, the light school and light society, so please Check them out today if you would, uh, if you would like to contribute. Uh, the other news is that we have also received uh, this morning, I'm told, uh, a very generous offer. Um, if you were here last night or even if you weren't, you might want to grab one of these brochures and they let you know that in order to provide housing for one of God's precious children, really only takes, in terms of Aussie dollars, around about $6,000, $6,250 will provide ongoing shelter and food for uh, an elderly, probably uh, an elderly lady in India. If you would like to contribute to making that happen, it will be matched by a generous family here at church in the marketplace. So I'll leave that with you. If you would like to contribute to the work of Light Society in India, setting people radically free, providing for their needs, striking a blow for God's justice in the world, please grab hold of one of these flyers and please consider uh, making a significant contribution to, to God's justice in the world. But thank you to all of you who made last night happen uh, on behalf of a grateful church. You know who you are. Thank you for making it happen. It was a wonderful night and a great result for, for the ministry in India. But here this morning, if, uh, if you're with us this morning, please know you would love to uh, receive your, your tithes and your offerings electronically. Uh, if you want to give paper money, you can do so via the box up the back. Also, if you'd like prayer for anything at all, please know that we'd love to pray for you. We'd love to pray with you this morning. If there's anything that is troubling you, perhaps anything you want to give thanks for and share the joy, we'd love to hear about it as well. Please come down the front after the service and an elder will be on hand to, uh, to pray with you and to give up to God, to leave the foot of the cross, whatever it is, is on your heart this morning. We will need to pack this space up this morning. Uh, Lifeblood, the blood bank, is coming in. It's one of the ways which we bless, we serve our community here at church in the marketplace. So this stage needs to go. If you're an able-bodied person, we would love your help. All the chairs and tables need to be packed in the back. You might want to just consult with Bill. Uh, he'll uh, guide you in letting you know how exactly to pack down and where everything needs to go. We have a weekly Zoom prayer throughout the week. Uh, 
It's on a Thursday morning at 8.30. I realise getting here midweek is difficult for some, so if you're an online person, if you're comfortable in that space, why not join us for a Zoom prayer Thursday mornings from 8.30. Let me know and I can give you the Zoom link. It is on the screen there if you're wanting to, to jot it down. Uh, next, next Sunday, the 19th, uh, our tennis and picnic day that got rained out last. It will be on next Sunday, Sunday the 19th. So please come with a, with a bring-your-own-picnic lunch and your tennis racket and, uh, and, a, and, a, and, a, and a sporting challenge. I've been challenged to a duel on the tennis court by my brother in Christ, Juan Carlos. He's pretty... He's threatening. He thinks he can beat me. I don't think he can. We'll see. We will see. So look, if nothing else, come and see the showdown between myself and Jay on the tennis court. Uh, that's next Sunday after worship, just down here at, at Cooper Park. Also coming up is a Thanksgiving dinner. Thanksgiving uh, dinner is a, a wonderful thing. It's, it's a wonderful concept. I love it. I experienced it, a genuine American one, just once in my life uh, in 2013 in Atlanta. We're going to be trying to recreate the Thanksgiving vibe here at Church in the Marketplace on the 2nd of December. It's a Saturday night, Saturday the 2nd of December. Um, please uh, keep that clear in your diary. I'm sure Nurit would love a hand or love to let you know. She would love a hand with some food, so please let Nurit know and book online as well. See Nurit. She'd love to hear from you if you're keen to be involved. Also, I want to let you know Christmas in the Moor, one of our big outreach events for the year. This is one of our really big ways in which we live up to our name as church in the marketplace. We're not just a holy huddle here on a Sunday. We go out into the Moor. Uh, we're going to be having an animal petting zoo. We're going to be doing some, some fundraising, some art, some crafts. So that is on a Saturday, the 9th of December, out in the Moor. Please save the date. Uh, Carly would love to hear from you, Diana would love to hear from you. So if you're able to contribute to Christmas in the Moor, a wonderful outreach event, uh, please let Carly know. One final thing I need to, uh, to let you know about this morning is that we, the, the pantry is looking a little bit bare. One of the other ministries, one of the other ways that we serve our local community is by providing food parcels for those in need, uh, and the pantry is looking a little bit bare. So... Next time you do your shop, next time you go to Coles or Woolies, wherever you shop, can you throw a few extra staples in? We want non-perishable food items. We want basics. We want essentials, be it food items or, or hygiene products as well, would be super helpful. So if you could throw a few extras in your basket, that would be really great. Bring them in. Julie would love to take them off your hands. So church, this is one way we can bless our community. So if you could remember that as well, that would be fantastic. I think uh, that is all the news that is fit to print this morning. Uh, kids, why don't you guys head out to Kids Club, to Kids Church? You guys are looking at the same story we are today, a story about 10 bridesmaids, a very big bridal party waiting for uh, the bridegroom to arrive. Meanwhile, uh, grown-ups, why, uh, why don't you just chat across the table or chat to your neighbour? And why don't you ask the question... When was a time you were caught out being badly ill-prepared? When were you caught out being badly ill-prepared? Why don't you share amongst yourselves, grab a Bible if you don't have one, and we'll be back here in a minute or two with Matthew chapter 25.
Friends, we are in Matthew 25. You want to have a look? I don't see any physical Bibles around, but you can Google it. <laughs> It'll be on the screen. <laughs> Not just yet, though. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> Matthew chapter 25 is where we're at today, talking about being prepared. So when it was a time when you were really badly caught out, I'm sure it's happened to all of us at various times throughout our life, a time when we thought we had this, we thought we had this under control, but it turns out you didn't actually have this, it wasn't actually under control, and you were, you were caught out pretty badly. Uh, you actually underestimated what it was that you'd gotten yourself into. You thought you could cruise through without too much preparation, without having to worry too much, but it, it turns out that you were in over your head. You didn't think things through. You didn't prepare, and now you're in, well, you're in a bit of trouble. The clearest example in my mind was our first night camping with a family. Uh, my uncle owns a beautiful farm, beautiful property up near Armadale. It's up in the Highlands. It's in a little place you've never heard of called Wollamumbi, about half an hour up in the Highlands, National Park, beautiful, some arable farming land. But it's got a beautiful river running through it, platypus beautiful. I grew up camping out there. And then when my kids were old enough, I was really keen to take my parent, my kids camping so they could experience a similar sort of thing. They were sort of old enough now to look after themselves. We got ourselves six sleeping bags. We got the, you know, well, the ones that you used for, if you grew up in Australia, you had a flannelette sleeping bag for sleeping over at your mate's house. Do you remember those ones? It's a bit of flannel with maybe a bit of padding in them. And you use them for sleeping over at Nana's house. You use them for sleeping over at your... Libby's nodding. You know the one I mean. They were generally like a brown sort of tartan, weren't they, Libby? Right? But we thought they were warm. We thought they were warm living in your mate's living room. Trouble was, we go camping every April. And the trouble was, April in Armidale is not the same as April in Bondi, let me assure you. Yeah, it's... It, we got badly caught out that first night. We had these old school dodgy sleeping bags and it was freezing. It literally gets down to freezing in that part of the world by April time. Well, you can imagine what happened that night. There were tears. There were tantrums. And, and the kids weren't happy either, right? And so it was not a good... We got badly... We hadn't prepared. We, hadn't, we had to make a mercy dash back half an hour into town, back into the camping shop at Armidale and buy six really expensive, really flash, like minus five degree rated proper camping, like hiking Himalayan style sleeping bags for each of us because we'd stuffed up. We hadn't, we hadn't thought it through. We didn't, plan, we didn't plan properly. So this parable from Jesus today, it deals with a similar sort of situation. Not thinking things through, not planning ahead not planning for the long road ahead. This parable is a little masterpiece. I love this parable. Each little detail adds a crucial piece of information, a little bit of a, a learning or a challenge for us as we seek to, seek to enter into that great banquet in heaven and what to do in the meantime while we wait. This is, in fact, a parable for we insiders. If you're a member of a church, if you count yourself as Christ's one and looking around today, there's many of us uh, that have been following Jesus for many, many years. Many of us have been coming along to church for many, many years. This is a challenge for, for those of us, people that have been like that, to not make any assumptions. It's a challenge for us to not get lazy. It's a challenge to not be complacent. It's a challenge to not get entitled or to become distracted as we wait uh, for Christ's second second coming. Do not just assume that we have everything sorted. Because in fact, God may have a different time scale. God may have other things in our mind. Let's have a look at Matthew chapter 25. We've been following Matthew's gospel right through uh, for much of this year, and we're coming towards the end of the, the liturgical year, at the end of Matthew, Matthew's gospel, chapter 25, verses 1 through to 13. says this, at that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming. 
and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish ones said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied. There may not be enough oil for both us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. Virgins who were ready went in to meet him to the wedding banquet. And the door was shut. Later, the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the door for us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Church, let's pray. Loving Lord, we pray that you'll illumine this challenging piece of scripture for us, this wonderful parable. We pray that you might help us to not simply be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. We pray that my words might be your words this morning. We pray that I might decrease and you increase in all that is said and in all that is heard. And the people said, Amen. So I want to firstly share a little bit of context about uh, wedding feast back in the day. It's always good to get an understanding of the context in which Jesus was first speaking, what his original hearers uh, would have heard. Uh, Weddings back in these days consisted of sort of three major sort of celebrations. Firstly, they were, the couple was... uh, were engaged to be married, more than what we think of simply in an engagement. It was quite a sort of a serious commitment. By the way, it was almost always organised by the parents. It was like a betrothal. The, the parents would organise like an arranged marriage. Now, I've been talking to Carly about arranging the marriages for my children, and she won't let me. So if you could have a speak to her about that. Uh, statistically, arranged marriages from other cultures actually tend to work out better than the way we do it in the West, just letting you know, kids. But anyway, um, she's, she's pushing back. But all I'm saying is, uh, fellas, I've got one daughter, three sons, make me an offer. I'll leave her there. And um, so it would be arranged marriage. They would come together. Be around. They, they wouldn't live together as husband and wife. The marriage uh, wouldn't, be, wouldn't be consummated. At least it was certainly frowned upon until... Uh, some months later, of course, they would come together for the official celebration. This is what we would think of as, as the wedding ceremony in the church. We'd go to the synagogue, the priest would bless them. At this point, they are now husband and, and wife. But what we would think of as the reception, the wedding reception, didn't necessarily happen that same day. It might, but it, it could actually take days. And these celebrations would indeed last for days. So it could be some time between when they were officially married by the priest and the time when, they would, when, the, bride would, when the bride and the bridegroom would be, would be welcomed into their home. And, and it's this celebration that this parable is talking about. Of course, if you're in the bridal party, if you're one of the bridesmaids, you'd be expected to be there, to, to be able to, to light the way, to, to welcome the, the bride and the groom to, to their new house. If you were to, uh, to be absent, missing in action, of course, it was a, it was a source of great great shame. You didn't want to be caught out as you waited for the bride and the bridegroom to, to arrive. So that's the setting of the story. It's an extended feast. It could take, take a bit of time. It's not like today when we have the, the ceremony in the church and then the wedding reception later that night. It, it, you could be waiting a while. So, the ten bridesmaids the text actually says virgins or young women, but what we're talking about here is young bridesmaids at a wedding. That's, that's the theme. The trouble is at this wedding, there's some sort of a delay. Jesus doesn't elaborate. He doesn't tell us why. There's just some sort of a, a delay. The bridegroom, the bride and the groom are, are late coming, and all ten bridesmaids fall asleep. But at midnight... The darkest hour, think about that for a moment, right? When the night was at its darkest, at midnight, the call goes up, here comes the bridegroom, come and celebrate. The bridesmaids, of course, all wake up, they go to to trim their lamps. Five of them had bought extra oil, so they had no trouble relighting their lamps, but, but five others did not bring any extra oil. They didn't think ahead, they didn't prepare. They asked to borrow some, they're refused. 
And while they're off buying some oil that oils are us, the 24-hour oil shop, which didn't exist, of course, back in the day. The bride and the bridegroom arrive, uh, the band strikes up, and, and in they go. There's much singing and dancing. They eventually somehow, somewhere, find some oil. They can't, five foolish bridesmaids come back, bang on the door, let us in, let us in. And then there's this, this really quite shocking response. I, I never knew you. Jesus then provides us with a simple application for this parable in verse 13. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. So This isn't obviously a parable. It's an allusion to Jesus' second coming. Remember, church, parables are an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. They, Jesus, took every, I love, Jesus took everyday things, things that even 2,000 years later in another culture, another, we still understand what he's talking about and uses it to apply to what God is like, but what his kingdom, but what his kingdom is like. One of the crucial aspects for us 2,000 years later is that we're still waiting. We're still waiting for the bridegroom. Jesus is, a, Jesus is the bridegroom. It's a popular sort of, in the New Testament, we are the bride of Christ. The church is the bride of Christ, and Jesus is the bridegroom. This is the, this is the relationship that is supposed to exist between ourselves and Jesus, a strong and as permanent, as intimate as a, as a marriage. Down through the years, many have tried to predict the second coming. Of course, they've all been wrong. Just as an aside, church, if anyone tells you they know the date or the hour, you can disregard them as a false prophet. Don't listen to them. Nobody knows when this is going to happen. But what we do know, what this parable tells us, is that during the delay, now... What we do during this delay reveals much about our own conviction and the genuineness of our own conversion. I'll say that again. What we do during the delay reveals much about our genuineness and the, the conviction of our conversion to Christ. Many people are filled with enthusiasm when you come to Christ. If you've been attending a church for any number of years, you'll be familiar with this concept. People have come and gone. Plenty of enthusiasm at the start, but they don't, they don't go the distance. Jesus himself warned that many would fall away. He warned that many would spring up and flourish, but then fall away, that worldly pleasures and concerns would consume them and they would fall away. I want you to notice here in this little parable, one of the things I love about this parable is how appearances can be so deceiving. And one of the commentators has actually written a bit of a list about these ten bridesmaids, five wise and five foolish, about how simply by looking at them, you wouldn't really be able to tell who was wise and who was foolish. For example, all had been invited to the banquet and they'd all responded positively to the invitation. All ten had gone out to wait for the bridegroom. All ten had their lamps with them. All of them wanted to see the bride and the bridegroom arrive. They, they, they were all in the right place. They were all there for the right reason. All of them wanted to go to the banquet. All of them had some oil in their lamps at the start of the night. All ten of them fell asleep. Think about that. All were awakened at the midnight cry. And all ten of them got up to prepare their lamps when the cry went out. So they each appeared to be ready. They each appeared to be equally ready for the bridegroom's coming. I think if you were to look at them and put them in a lineup, you wouldn't have been able to tell them, but you wouldn't be able to say, well, number six, she looks a bit lazy, right? They all looked to be the same. You wouldn't have been able to tell them apart simply by, by looking. And I think the same is true of we, the church today, isn't it? It would just be mere spec speculation trying to tell who's who in the zoo. It would be foolish, be foolish to try. And yet there was a crucial difference, wasn't there? Five of them were caught off guard with no extra oil. I think there are two churches. Down through the ages, the commentators have often talked about there being two churches. And I think this parable illustrates it really well. The first church is every warm-blooded warm person in the, physically in the church building like we have here today, right? The church is just a collection of humans who happen to be together on a Sunday morning or whenever the church gathers, right? It's all of us together. There's some, some members that have been signed up, got their membership card for many, many years. There's some, 
There's some visitors that happen to wander in off the street. There's some holiday makers. Church in the Marketplace here is a good example of that. A, a, a really, really wild a mix of people. And from the outside, it's hard to sort of tell who's who in the, in the zoo. But some of us are attending for different reasons. You can come along to a church for years and years just to sort of keep up appearances. Some people come to church simply for the, the morning tea. Some people come simply for the devilishly good-looking minister and his humour. Other people come to church to make connections. I actually, when I was in the US, a number of people commented to me in, in Atlanta, and not just the Bible Belt, the buckle of the Bible Belt, a very wealthy part of Atlanta, that this is, church was where business was done. They assured me that when you met a, that men, when they met it, who are you, what's your name, what do you do, of course, and then what church do you attend? So that can be a factor in some parts of the world. Some people are just lonely and like the fellowship. Churches at least try to be welcoming places. They just, people like to be around other, other people. There's any number of reasons you could be physically present in the church. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you are necessarily truly born again. Now, I think it's true to say that the foolish bridesmaids who missed out, that they're never accused of any immorality. They were perfectly nice, nice people as, as far as, as we know. I think the point here of this parable is to remind us that just because you come to church, just because you're numbered amongst the church on any given Sunday, doesn't truly mean that you are part of God's true elect church. That is, the, those saints who have been called and have laid down their lives, have said, yes, I'm dying to self and, and living for you, Lord. Coming to church once a week doesn't make you a, a believer, doesn't make you one of Christ's ones any more than walking into a stable once a week makes you a horse, right? So be very, very careful. Coming to church is good. Coming to Christ is better. Getting baptised is good, but being born again is better. Giving money, doing all the right things is, is good, but giving your heart is better. Being a nice person is good, but knowing Christ as your Saviour and Lord is infinitely better. There are many who are expecting Christ's return may not receive the welcome that they were perhaps expecting. They'll be shocked and surprised. This is what this parable warns us about. So given that five of them were wise and five of them were foolish, I'm wondering, what does it mean? How do you know? Surely we need to sort of be able to distinguish, well, am, am I going to be numbered among the five wise or the five foolish? Well, what does the Bible say? I want, I want to explain to you that Jesus explains earlier in Matthew's Gospel if you are wise, you will not only hear Jesus' teachings, but you will apply them. That's what Jesus says. Jesus defines a foolish person as one who hears the word but doesn't follow it. Foolish people concoct reasons and excuses why the commandments or instructions of Scripture no longer apply to them. The book of Proverbs, wonderful book of Proverbs, gives us some extra clues. If ever you're wondering, where do, where do I start in the Bible? I know it's a big, chunky book. Check out the book of Proverbs, some wonderful little sayings in there. The book of Proverbs says, a wise person fears God, but fools despise wisdom and instruction. Chapter 10, verse 8 says, a wise person seeks advice and listens to correction, but a fool ignores advice and resents correction. Chapter 12, 16 of Proverbs says, a fool reacts to situations with immediate anger. Do you react in anger? Yet a wise person ignores insults, and exercises self-control. Is that you? Fools are always right in their own eyes, it says, and are fully convinced about their own opinions. Yet a wise person is willing to listen to counsel. Chapter 22, verse 3 says, A wise person looks ahead and anticipates where decisions and actions will lead and strives to avoid making those mistakes, but fools do not anticipate the consequences of their actions and thus wind up in trouble. Chapter 13, verse 20, the Proverbs says, our, our choice of friends also influences 
whether we are foolish or wise. It says, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will be destroyed. What, what's the company you keep? What does it say about you? So church, can I encourage you to be prepared to keep watch? The oil here, I think, represents God's Holy Spirit living, living in you. Back in the old days, uh, kings would be anointed by oil. It was a sign of, of God's favor resting upon that person. King David was anointed by the prophet. And he was symbolized, yes, this one is mine. This is what the oil represents. Is God's Holy Spirit. So how do you know if you've got that Holy Spirit? Well, I would encourage you to be looking for fruit, for evidence in your life. We know what the fruit of the Spirit is. You know what they are. Go. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control from Galatians. Look it up. Memorize it if you possibly can. These are the things you should be exhibiting. These are the things to be looking for in the body of, of Christ. I think when I think of spirit-filled people, I think of those people, some of whom are here today, who exhibit those sorts of qualities. They're committed to being part of the body of Christ week by week, even when they don't particularly feel like it. They make an effort to get here, even when it's not particularly convenient for them. They contribute, they show up, even when they don't particularly want to, because they're committed to the journey. They committed to the cause of Christ. So when was the last time you, you had an oil check? When was the last time you checked the fruitfulness in your own life? Those words, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, are they the sort of words that people think of when they think of you? Ask yourself that. Is Pete Chapman a patient person? Not always, I have to say. Ask that of yourself. How do you stack up? And how's your light? Can I ask you to, to uh, challenge yourself? How's your, are you a light bearer? Remember the point of this story is that the, the bridesmaids were there to be light bearers for other people. Are you a light bearer? Do you shed light for other people? Are you a blessing to the people around you? Or have you been neglecting your job as a, as a light bearer? Are you like a, a lamp without any oil? Are you like a, a bulb without any electricity? Really no good for anyone. If we are fueled by God's Spirit, others will see, and they will see by it. His Spirit will be evident in us. So how's the condition of your lamp? How's your fuel? I think another little takeaway from this is, actually, it's okay to get some rest. One of the things, one of the little pieces of encouragement, a little, a little detail in this parable that you might not have seen before, is that even the wise... Five, they, they, they fell asleep as well. It's exhausting. We've been, we've been waiting for 2,000 years, haven't we, church? It's a long time to wait. Those first disciples of Jesus, by the way, they fully expected Jesus to return in their lifetime. He even gave them good reason to think that. But it turned out Jesus had another time frame. We've been waiting for 2,000 years for the bridegroom to come and wipe every tear from the eye and to begin that great banquet. Won't that be a great day? Come, Lord Jesus, come. But it's okay to look after yourself in the meantime. I think there's a little word here for us, for those that have been bearing a light for years and years, decades and decades, that it's okay to let someone else take over for a little bit. All ten fell asleep, but there must have been someone keeping watch to sound the alarm when the bridegroom arrived. It's okay to give yourselves a break. Jesus knows that you need a break. He gave us the Sabbath. So can I challenge you, if you see someone that's been faithfully bearing a light for years and years and years, saw it wonderfully just last night, people working tirelessly, other people filling in for them, why don't you go and give them a break? Why don't you say, hey, can I, can I take that light from you? Whatever job it happens to be. Why don't you ask yourself, hey, listen, can I, can I help you out? Why don't you go and take a break? Go and, go and take a Sabbath. The other little challenge in this parable, I think, is the impossibility of living off borrowed faith living off borrowed oil. One of the really challenging parts of this parable is that the five foolish ones try to borrow some oil, they're refused. <laughs> Seems pretty rough, doesn't it? 
You can't live off somebody else's oil. You can't live off the coattails of somebody else. You might have heard the saying, God has no grandchildren. It's no good coming and saying, my grandfather was an elder in the Presbyterian church or my grandmother was big in the Methodist church down at Smithfield, wherever it was. Now, he'll ask, no, well, okay, uh, my grandmother was a very godly woman. He'll say, well, how about you? So indeed, she was a very godly woman and is a very godly woman. She's in at the banquet right now, but what about you? I, even, I, I went to church pretty regularly in my life. Great, but where's your heart? I did a lot of work in the community. Yep, great, but whose glory were you really seeking? There's no way of earning or accruing your salvation. You can't beg, borrow or steal it from anybody else. It's got to be your own. Can I challenge you to make sure that you've got a good supply of oil that is the Holy Spirit living within you today. Because know that the door is open for now. The door's been open for 2,000 years. Jesus, by his blood shed on the cross, is holding the door open for you. Come one, come all. The call goes out. Come to the feast. All are welcome. Amen. Come and accept the invitation today. His broken and bloodied body is holding the door open to this very moment. But it won't be open forever. This is the warning of this parable. There's some pretty stark words, isn't there, at the end. The, the door is shut. There's a terrible finality about that. We don't know the day or the hour. It could be 20 years, 2,000 years. It could be 20 minutes. <laughs> Make sure you are right with God now by surrendering your life to Christ, saying, I'm no longer living for myself, I'm dying to Christ, and I'm living for you, Lord. Surrender today. Keep watch, friend. Make sure you have oil for the journey. Make sure you have the Spirit dwelling in you. Accept that invitation and be prepared. Keep watch. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Amen? Let's pray. God of the open road. God of the twisting path. God of the narrow and upward way. In this hour, help us to keep watch. Give us provision for the journey. Empower us by your Holy Spirit, we pray. We surrender to you. We live for you. Give us courage faith, give us compassion, give us endurance to face any hardship. Open our eyes to see you walking beside us, protecting us, encouraging us, loving us. This we pray in the mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Saviour and Lord. Amen. Let's, just, let's stand and sing. Thanks, Sean. Let us all stand up and sing to the Lord together. Draw me close to you. Draw me close to you. Never let me go. I lay it all down again.
find the way. Bring me back to you. You're all I want. You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know you. Sing it again. Draw me close to you. Sing your voice. Draw me close to you. Never let me go. Never let me go. To hear, to hear you say that I'm your friend. You are my desire. No one else will do. Amen. Because nothing else, because nothing else could take your place. Feel the warmth of your embrace. Help me find a way. Bring me back to you. You're all I want. You're all I want. Again, you're all I want. You're all I want. You're all I want. You're all I ever needed. You're all I want. You're all I want. Help me. You're all I want. You're all I want. You're all I've ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know you. I do just want to take a, a moment uh, to uh, congratulate Simon and Susie on the safe arrival of young Aria. Uh, it's, we praise God for the safe arrival of bringing a new member of our church family into the world. Amen. So on behalf of a grateful... I won't make you come up, but on behalf of a grateful church, we, uh, we praise God for the safe arrival of this precious little person. So God bless. I know those of you watching from home couldn't see that, but there's a wonderfully cute, a little precious bub, a wonderful child of God that is, uh, is now amongst us here at Church in the Marketplace. A couple of prayer points this morning. Uh, we're going to just spend a moment in prayer. A few um, prayer points for you to remember in prayer. Uh, Diane's heading back, to, back home. She's been with us for a few months now. Diane Harris has been with us. This is her final Sunday with us 
Until next year, <laughs> we hope. So, Diane, you're a blessing to us. Um, go with God's blessing from all of your church family back home to the UK. Uh, speaking of new life, I think we can be remembering Ashwathi and indeed Hitomi as they uh, bring another a precious new... Hitomi's with us, though, to uh, bring another precious new life into the world. We can be praying for them. And, uh, and indeed, Rick has asked me to let you know he'd appreciate some prayers as well. Rick is facing some, some heart surgery. I'll let him talk to you about that. But he said he would appreciate the prayers of his church family as well at this time. So, church, let's pray. Our loving... God, gracious God, God of grace, we come before you and, and acknowledge that this is a broken world. This is not how you planned it. This is not what you wanted. This is a world where we deal with hardships of many kinds. This is a world where for a time, for a season, death holds sway. and We look forward to the coming bridegroom to come and put an end to it. But in the meantime, we wait. And so we hold up to you those near and dear and indeed those far away. We think of those enduring war. We think of those enduring poverty. It seems as though our world is intent on tearing itself apart. So Father, we pray that Jesus, the Prince of Peace, might rule in this world. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Come and break into our world and bring peace. Not simply, not merely the absence of conflict, but true, lasting, genuine relationship with you, Lord. Bring peace to the nations. Bring justice to the nations. May every member of the human family have enough, we pray. And may we be the source of your justice in this world. Show us how we can serve. Show us where we can love, we pray. We give you thanks for Aria's safe arrival among us, and indeed we pray for Hitomi and indeed for Ashwati as they prepare to give birth. We do pray that you will keep them healthy and strong, Bless these precious new lives they carry within them and bring them safely into our world, we pray. We pray that you might bless Diane as she goes. We pray that she will know your love. She, she will be aware, Father, that she has a, a church family, a tribe here on the other side of the world. Continue to use her back home, we pray. We think of our brother Rick as he prepares for heart surgery. We pray that he will know your presence. Father, we pray that you'll steady the surgeon's hand. We pray that you'll be in the midst, over and all and throughout every part of this surgery, we pray. Father, for those of us suffering hardships with relationships, bring reconciliation. For those of us struggling with ill health, with injury, bring healing. For those of us struggling to get up in the morning, Father, we pray that you might bring us true abundant wellness in body, in mind, and spirit. In Jesus' name, the people said, Amen. Amen. Thank you, Ben. How about we all stand up and sing praise the Lord?
Amen. What a wonderful time together this morning. Amen. Thank you to Sean and to our team for leading us in praise. So church, as we go out this morning, go out keeping watch, making sure your oil reserves are well stocked. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen. 